Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. And welcome. Greetings from the uh, United Kingdom. My name is Roger Sutton, and um, I'm speaking to you from Manchester. Um, it's just brilliant to be with you on this special day, Father's Day. Uh, God bless all the dads in the congregation, and uh, just really pray that uh, your kids have treated you well today and that you feel loved and uh, honoured and respected, uh, even if it's just for a day. I just pray that you really enjoy yourself. Um, God bless Newcastle. Um, I've got such great memories of being with you before, um, and I've got some great memories of being in Australia. Over the last few weeks here in the UK, this is our summer, and it has been constantly raining, of course. So I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to coming back to Australia one day and getting some warmth again. But this is Father's Day, and um, it's a great opportunity, isn't it, to really say a big thank you to our dads, to honour and respect the role, because... Uh, our families today are coming under huge amounts of pressure, and particularly the role of fathers coming under a lot of pressure as well, whether it's to do with work or perhaps even divorce or even questions about the role. I know great societies are made up more than just families, and I know that some families can be pretty oppressive at times. But if we don't have a stable, mature, loving family within our society as a bedrock of our society, we will not be able to flourish. And one of the key roles in that bedrock is the role of the father. Psychologists uh, tell us that there are four big questions that a child asks uh, when they are born. Firstly, who am I? Secondly, am I loved? Thirdly, am I significant? And fourthly, what can I do? And these are questions around identity, security, meaning, and destiny. Um, the frightening thing is that uh, psychologists tell us that most of these questions are pretty much answered by the time a child reaches the age of four, which is a bit frightening. But how did, how did your dad help you out with those questions? That's the question I got for you today. For some of you, you've got some really positive stories about that, haven't you? For others of you, they're less positive. And, uh, and sadly, for some of you, they're going to be pretty destructive. Some of you have had performance-orientated dads, haven't you? You know, I will love you if you do certain things, um, if you pass your exams and if you behave yourself and so on and so forth. Today, I think life can be full of upwardly mobile people who are desperate for recognition from their parents, pushing themselves beyond limits to gain attention and hopefully some love. Churches actually can be full of people that way, people who live a performance-based faith. If I pray hard enough, if I don't sin you know, too much, and the Father in heaven will love me. Um, perhaps you grew up with that kind of father. Perhaps you grew up with um, almost the opposite, really, the passive, the absent dad, the father who is never around, never really involved in your life, pretty periphery to, to what you were doing, past no comment, was pretty much absent. They were kind of home, but they weren't really home. There's a great painting by an artist called David Hockney when he painted his parents and he painted them, he got them to sit down over a chair, over a table, sorry, and sitting on two chairs. And his father um, got so bored that he just started to read the paper. And, uh, and originally, David Hockney was, was going to paint them, you know, as looking at each other across the table. But in the end, he painted his father reading the paper because he decided that's what his father did for most of his growing up years, an absent father. 
some of you have had punitive fathers. You know, fathers uh, got a big danger sign around them. This is about power, isn't it? It's about insignificance. They are significant and you're not as significant. Some of you have experienced the punitive father. Some of you have experienced verbal, uh, physical abuse. Um, and some of you have sadly experienced sexual abuse. That's a horrible thing to experience. And uh, God's blessing and God's goodness and God's healing on you. And then others of you perhaps have had the permissive father, you know, the father who just says yes to everything, a bit like a grandfather, um, which isn't always good to have as a father, actually. They do what you want. Um, they let you express yourself, but there's no moral standards. There's no attitude that you should really be developing. And, and really, it's, it's kind of permissive to the point of love without any boundaries whatsoever. You know, my, when I'm bringing up our kids, they, we gave them a lot of freedom, but they, they weren't free to find out how near to get to the fire or how close they could get to a car that was coming down the road. There were some boundaries that we brought in. And kids who grow up in a permissive environment become people for whom perhaps God is a bit of a cosmic hippie, really. He doesn't really care about anything. For our experiences of good or for ill, uh, we have had our fathers. And for some of you in the congregation, you are a father. It's a hard and high calling. And we pray God's blessing on you today. We are really interested, of course, in the Bible, which says that the Bible describes God ultimately, probably the biggest descriptor of God is as of a father, which is really interesting. Not a performance-orientated father or a punitive father, and certainly not an abusive father but a loving, affirming, disciplining, forgiving, and protective father. And one of the strongest family stories in the Bible, of course, is the prodigal son, isn't it? The story of a dad with two very difficult kids. I mean, seriously difficult kids. One of them is off the rails. He is selfish. He's a user. And the other one is pompous, arrogant, and proud. Family life isn't always meant to be easy, and the Bible doesn't, uh, uh, you know, the Bible tells it as it is. And it's one of the toughest contexts to live in family life. Pope Francis says that family life is the school of love. How are you doing at school at the moment? What are you learning? Have you passed any exams yet? The prodigal son is a picture, actually, I think, of a failing school. It's a picture of a family under a lot of pressure. I mean, firstly, you've got the the prodigal son himself, who is so self-orientated and is just wanting his own way at all times and completely off the rails. He says to his father one day, he says, you know, you know, half the, you know, I'm owed half the estate when you die. Um, he said to him, basically, I can't wait for you to die. I want that half now. And the story goes that the father sells up half of the estate and he gives it to him and the younger son goes off uh, to a far land, it says, and basically wastes it all, just wastes it all, spends it on what he shouldn't spend it on, gives it away. He's very popular at the beginning, but becomes less popular as he is losing his money. And in the end, he finds himself destitute without anything. He has nothing left. He has taken the father's estate, half the father's estate, and completely wasted it. Then, of course, he comes back. And then there is this repentant or perhaps just remorseful. We're not really told. But whatever, he realizes and thinks to himself, 
It's better to be a slave in my father's house, a servant in my father's house, than it is actually to be in this pigsty where I found myself. And there dad is, he throws a party, he rejoices that his son has come home, and then it kicks off with the older son, who's really angry. He's, he's really upset at what, how the father is treated. Well, he's upset with the son, and then he's upset with the father on top of it. I mean, this is not, um, this family is not going well, because this is a story about greed, selfishness, waste, extravagance, hunger, pride, and jealousy. And right in the midst of this story is a dad, right in the heart of it. And we talk a lot about the prodigal son, and we talk something about the elder son, but we often don't talk about the father. What can we learn from this dad today on Father's Day? Well, firstly, I think we learn from this dad is that he's, he's a freeing dad. Um, this is not a controlling father. Um, as I said, you know, when kids are young, then there, there's an element to enabling them to keep safe and about bringing them up in values and about house rules and discipline and things like that. And that's really, really important. But it doesn't come from a controlling spirit. This is a father who doesn't have a controlling spirit. This is a father who knows that his role is to shape and to steward the children to which he has been given. We're not there to control. We're not there to do that. We're there to release. We're there to release our children into their full potential in Jesus. We're there to enable them to live their dreams. We're there to enable them to, to not be manipulated, to not be controlled, to not be, to not be the subjects of the dreams that we wish we had lived, the life we wish we had lived. They're not there to live that for you. They're there to live their lives. They're there to have a freedom to be the person God has enabled them to be. And our role is to steward them into that. Children are a responsibility and a gift. We are stewards of them, enablers of them, coaches of them, to see them into their fullness. I think there's a freedom heart in the father. I think, secondly, there's a grieving heart in the father. I mean, fathering mothering, parenting is one of the most painful experiences in life you'll ever have. And for those of you who are sitting there with a little baby on your, on your knee thinking, oh, this is going to be absolutely wonderful. Well, it will be wonderful, but it's also going to break your heart. There's a pain as he lets go of this son. There is a pain as he waits for him every day. Every day he's waiting for him. He's not turned his back on him. A father doesn't turn their back on a child. Every day he pleads he pleads with the older son even to come back into the party, doesn't he? There's a grieving going on here. The jealousy between the two sons the father feels. He feels the pain of the younger son being away. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of fathering is mothering, parenting. It's to do with pain. And some of you know that pain. Some of you know the dreadful pain of losing a child. Some of you know what it is to have a prodigal son who's in a far-off land. And some of you know that the lives that children live, um, they can make difficult and different decisions to the decisions you or I would make. And that's really painful. And I think we really, in this story, the, the pain of the father of Father God is mirrored, isn't it? You know, the father who is 
waiting for the younger son to come home, the father who is pleading with the older son to reconcile, is Father God. And any pain that we may feel for our children is but a pale reflection of the pain that God feels in in relation to us and in relation to this world. For God so loved this world that he gave his only son. There is the waiting. There is the waiting where God is waiting for us. He that, that lovely verse where it does say that he goes off to a far land, but every day the father comes and waits for him. But we're living in a hectic world. Um, it's an impatient world. And parenting often is about waiting. Sometimes uh, the blossoms on the flower take longer to come out than others. Sometimes it takes longer for a child to actually understand who they are, what they want to do in life, what gifts they have. Sometimes it takes longer for a child to grow up and to to understand themselves. Sometimes it just takes a longer period of time. Waiting is actually one of the crucial things about being a father or a mother. Can you wait quietly, patiently, lovingly, waiting? It's one of the things they never talk to me about being a dad, is waiting. I do remember when one of my kids wasn't really sure what he was going to do with his life, got to about the age of 18, and I was... I was getting quite impatient, really, until an older dad said to me, he said, to be honest, he said, it doesn't really matter. He said, if they haven't worked out what they want to do by the age of 35, then you can start to worry. And that kind of gave me a bit of, uh, a bit of grace, really, a sense that, OK, let's just wait. Let's not, not necessarily have to, have to go to the drumbeat of society. I think the fourth thing we learn from this story certainly is forgiveness, isn't it? I mean, this is the father who waits for the younger son to come home and then has cloak waiting for him, a ring on his finger and a party. This is the father who's not going to hold resentment. This is the father who's going to move on. This is the father who's going to say, my son was lost, caused me a lot of pain, but he's back. That's a forgiving father. And sometimes your children can break your heart. And sometimes they can do things and say things to us that actually only children can say because they usually know which buttons to press, don't they? But this is the God who loves us and he is the God who forgives us and therefore calls us to forgive our kids as well, to start again fresh every day. Generosity is another theme. I mean, the beautiful generosity of this father who throws the party for him, who gives him the half the estate. Being a dad is about being having significant generosity with your time, with your money, with your skills, giving and giving and giving. Not easy being a dad, but it does involve a lot of giving. It's tough, but thank God we have a heavenly father who has shown us the way ahead. Thank God um, I have a heavenly father who freely gives to me, who grieves my sin, who waits for me. I have a heavenly father who is forgiving at all times and generous at all times. I'm thankful to my dad. I didn't have a great relationship with my own father. I grew up in a home which was characterized by a lot of alcohol, a lot of anger, a lot of violence, actually. Um, I grew up not wanting to be with my father or around him. I grew up disliking him. And when I hit teenage years, uh, really hating him and wishing he was dead. That was my relationship with my father until I found a relationship with God at the age of 15. And then over time, God just spoke very beautifully and kindly and graciously into my life and began a healing in me. And it was quite a beautiful thing to know that actually 
my heavenly father was different to my earthly father. I'm thankful to God for turning that around in my heart and therefore I think enabling me to be a father, a better father to my children. I'm also thankful to God that he didn't just stop there because what he wanted to do was heal my relationship with my dad. And over a period of time, God and my wife (laughs) got together, um, a powerful combination, and over time just took our relationship from never wanting to see him again to beginning to miss him, to beginning to try and understand him, to having forgiveness in my heart. Speaking out forgiveness is really important to me as well. I moved from just wishing him dead to not wanting him to pass away. And when he did eventually get to the last few hours of his life, it was um, the most beautiful moment in my life when I prayed with him. Uh, He'd been in a coma for several hours, but a doctor friend of mine said that people can hear you in a coma. So I thought, well, this this is a good time to pray with my dad for the very first time in my life. Never prayed with him ever before. And I held his hand and I said, Dad, I don't know if you can hear me, but um, I think this is a really good time to make your peace with God. And I said, you know, if you can hear me, then why don't we say a prayer? And I said, Lord Jesus, forgive our sins. And his eyes opened and his voice spoke. And he said the words, Lord Jesus, forgive our sins. Those are the first words that he spoke for several hours. And they are the last words he spoke. I've got a lot of uh, missed time with my father, which I will have in heaven because God is the father in heaven who hears and forgives. And I pray God's blessing on you as a dad, um, as a parent, actually, today. I pray for those of you who've experienced difficult times, hard times. I pray God's healing on you and God's blessing on you. I pray that God would grow in you a beautiful appreciation of him as father. And that even if you've had negative understanding of fatherhood, that you would know that God is not like that. And that ultimately also for those of you who have had very bad experiences of your father, I pray that God would heal you as he's healed me. I pray he set you free from resentment and bitterness and fear. And I pray he release you. So may God be with you and God bless you dads. And uh, God bless your church and Newcastle and God bless Australia. 